Good evening. Welcome to Karl Marx Does the Washing App, where we ponder ludicrous metaphysical nonsense in the time it takes to make five Tesco's basic microwave meals. Uh, which is around 21 minutes. It is indeed. I'm Shai Talib. And I'm Elias Sam. Awesome. And actually, you know what? So today, I'm out with my special needs guys. We're out bowling. And there's one guy. Wait, just to clarify, Shai has... Like, he runs a charity. It's not like he's he bought some special needs guys or adopted <laughs> anyone. And also, by guys, I mean, obviously, they're male and female. Yeah. Just like they're my gang. They're all above 18. Uh, but anyway, so we've taken them out, taken them out bowling. And one of them is just... Everything I say, he just says, why? Yeah, why? Why? You know, and I was... I wasn't losing my tether, you know. I found it quite humorous. But then it, it also made me realise... We spend our whole day asking why. why. Yeah. yeah, he should be on our podcast. Yeah, he's yeah. He's just, children. He's yeah. children. I like, right? Yeah. And I feel like I'm the I'm like the one father who would just like drive the child crazy by yeah, the other way. Like, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, but why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but it got me thinking. It just like uh, we spend our whole lives asking why. Why? Yeah, do we but do why that? do we ask? Yeah, why, why do we ask why? Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of nuts. But I think there's... Um, I mean, philosophy is just a very ridiculous thing in general, right? And a lot of people get very fed up of it. No, but a lot of people get very attached to it, right? A lot of people devote their whole lives to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's all about the uh, complete uncertainty and the unanswerability of the question why. And that's what makes it so, like, alluring is because it's so infinite. Like, as soon as there is some kind of, like, assertable answer... Then what was once finite become what was once infinite becomes finite. And but then once it becomes finite, does, that doesn't mean that it becomes boring. Once it becomes finite, then is that what you are implying? Well, for yeah, like I mean, for me, it, the more finite thing, I'm just much more lower to the like the infinite. that expanse, the infinite, right? Like accounting is quite finite, and I don't find that <laughs> so alluring. Yeah, but potentially so is love. Is love a finite concept? Like if you find love with one person. Yeah, but it's still like. Very... But it still exists in the infinite as well. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you can have. I don't know. Love is a very like. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, that's a completely it's... different podcast in itself. But fine. Why do we ask why? Well, I think like for me, the reason we are, I think we ask why for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and, um... but, I mean, that guy was definitely asking why for the wrong reasons. Right, sounds. He was just asking. Right. He was just doing it to annoy me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was doing it to annoy me, and it worked. Uh, I mean, no, it didn't work because I. Did, uh, I know that annoyed you. <laughs> fine, fine. Okay. Maybe it annoyed me a little bit. I did <laughs> beat him at bowling. No, what annoyed As you is that you got annoyed. Yeah, what annoyed me is that I got annoyed. Yeah, but okay, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. fine. Why? Because you, because you're so attached to this idea that you're this unannoyable person, <laughs> that you are the that you are the source of the annoyance, not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I want to be the annoying one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But wait, so why are we asking why in the wrong way? Well, so I think generally there's this idea that, um, you know, philosophy basically, for however long, has been asking the same questions with no answer. And Yeah, so, but do, do some... we think that in the repetition we will find an answer? Yeah, yeah, but we're idiots. Because the thing is, we just, like, go on this search, which is completely... which will never really bring about the same questions, but there's an inbuilt self-promise of an answer. Well, that's and all it does is breed anxiety. But... That's really fascinating, yeah, okay. So then why, you know, all these philosophers go, like, um, you know, get into depression or kill themselves or whatever because they can't deal with the crazy <laughs> uncertainty and the, abil- and the inability to answer anything. 
And whenever you ever come to some sort of idea which could be some sort of conclusion or maybe an answer to yeah, something, there's always right. another equally plausible or somewhat plausible answer. So just believing in this infinite and not being able to answer those questions manifests itself in not being able to answer any questions. Well, I think, well, I think it just, like, like it, invites a, it invites a doubt into you because you start, start questioning the grounding of everything and you realise that nothing lives on anything really, like, of any solid foundation. Wait, wait, is that why it takes us so long to choose somewhere where to eat? Yeah, because yeah. Because this crippling doubt that we have. That, like, we, but that we don't exist. Like, that we don't exist. Exactly. It's such a waste of money if we're feeding something that doesn't exist. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So then we're worried about, like, you know, what will our, what will, like, you know, what will our parents say if we're spending money on things that don't exist? That's very true. <laughs> but also, within the context of science, you repeat the same questions over and over again till you get an answer. So do you think philosophers are describing a scientific way of thinking to the questions that they've been asking? Well, so this is, so I've got, like, this is my issue with philosophy is like, um, yeah, essentially it, it has got, yeah, too rationalistic yeah. in its, in its uh, focus. So I think also like this idea of we try and understand some sort of uh, truth and the path towards truth, what we do is we isolate um, our experience of reality from this objective idea of truth and we sort of put this search into a framework of journeying towards truth, but the path towards truth isn't true to our experience of reality, which is very emotional, which is very grounded. It's not a purely rationalistic life that we live. So we're trying to describe it to one truth, or a truth can be applied across all of society, or, like, what do you mean by truth? Well, we're trying to understand what the universe is, right? Is that the ultimate question? I mean, well, I don't know, like, is that the ultimate question? Yeah, I guess. Like, what what is this place? And why does it exist? Right? And I think we're trying to understand, like, what it is before we know why it is. One of, like, I guess the sciences look at what it is and, and, how, then, it, and how it is. And then try and the philosophers see yeah. say why. Yeah. But we're... But it's funny because the philosophers are describing, like, scientific principles to the why question. That's what we're suggesting, right? In that they're making it too rational. Yeah, yeah. But, but also, also there's very, like... How do you approach a question in an irrational way? Well, I think just, uh, like, so poetry, I think, is a great uh, mechanism for this. Because it's like what we, we sort of spoke about this a little bit before, like, the philosophers interrogate reality and the poets spend time with it. And so I think there's, there's like, a, there isn't, like, a pressure that we put on reality. On reality. Yeah. And the philosophers put a lot of pressure on reality and structure everything in and a very like causal themselves. manner. Yeah, and the pressure on themselves, right? Which is what leads yeah, to the depression. Yeah. Right? Whereas what I think we should start to use is like actually use the question of why as a sort of mechanism in order to connect to the magnanimity of the universe so that we can actually like through asking a question why we just open up a sense of awe and wonder and through that awe and wonder we can bind to the universe yes. and through being bound to the universe we can understand it through spending time with it and rather having intimacy in, with rather it. than interrogating it right? yeah yeah so this is something we touched on in the intimacy podcast that we uh, that we released a couple of weeks ago like that we can be intimate with whatever it is in this energy but if we're being intimate with the whole universe I don't know if we touched on the fact that if you're being intimate with this supreme power if you're actually getting closer to it yeah like, why not you, no, but 
But um, we are. We do spend a lot of time being intimate. With yeah, but you are getting closer to it. But that's, are you? That's the. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical closeness, but an energetic closeness or an emotional closeness. But are we learning more about it, or are you saying that's not the point? Well, yeah, I think learning about something like is yeah, we are learning more about it. But I just think we need to have a more holistic understanding of what learning is. So we, when we say learning, we're talking normally in the context of learning. We're talking about like school learning, right? Well, yeah, or like. Yeah gaining some sort of articulable information. But now what I... That we can then say to someone else. Yeah, that we can say to someone else or we can at least have like some kind of concise idea in our head. Yeah. Right? Um, But what I'm talking about is an ineffable learning that that should be integrated into the rationalistic learning so that we can actually begin to understand like a more holistic idea of the universe which includes a visceral, ineffable, intangible kind of knowledge, which can be the same thing that you understand, like, you can say you know your parents, or you know your girlfriend or something. You do know her outside, the tangible things, where she came from, what she does, da-da-da, yeah, yeah. but you also know, like, a sort of an ineffable movement of that person, and That's I think true. we need to try and understand the ineffable movements of the universe. That's what the poets do. Yeah, but even by understanding that, like, I think a lot of people do have that understanding of the universe. Maybe a lot is a grandiose term, but I think definitely some people do have that understanding of the universe. Yeah. But nothing has come of it. No, I think a lot of people, like, yeah, I, I guess this is the idea, because the etymology of philosophy, the original yeah, idea yeah. of philosophy, is love of wisdom, right? right? And I don't think much wisdom has come of understanding, this understanding that poets have of the universe. No, I, th- I think that is a very wide manner in which to engage with life and reality in general. And I think there's a big split here between Western philosophy and Eastern philosophy. Whereas Eastern philosophy is based on time? Time spent in space or time spent in the universe? I think it integrates the emotive quality a lot more than Western philosophy, which is hyper-rationalistic, I think. And sort of tries to... What they consider to be often in Western philosophy is like, what is considered to be true is a theory that is put together that is kind of void of, in- of inconsistencies and trying to reduce paradoxes. Whereas yeah, in uh, Eastern philosophy, they, they sort of like, yeah, 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 they praise the paradox. Yeah, they do. But as the world is becoming potentially more and more westernized, will we see Eastern philosophy is becoming more and more westernized? Yeah, I think so. so I think there's, well, I mean, there's also like a rise in the West. In like a counter balance. Yeah, in a counter, yeah, yeah, of Eastern philosophy and stuff. But I do think that, um, so the, I think the Eastern philosophy, philosophies, which kind of up until now have manifested in the sort of consciousness of, uh, of the nation and of how the nation works. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to begin to deplete and the, the philosophies will remain, but they will remain within the philosophical realm. They won't, right? they, they won't, won't be ever. Well, because, like, now um, Eastern countries are being, like, educated in Western... Yeah, that's very true. ...sort of just school, ways right? of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we'll still, we'll, still, we'll still love and admire the sages, but the everyday man won't be connected to that sort of, like, uh, more holistic conscious uh, way of thinking. But we can see that every day, right? We see that every day when we're in London, don't we? Like, there is a disconnect between the everyday man and a holistic way of thinking. And the, yeah... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, there is definitely... Yeah, definitely different. And also, I think, logistically, 
is there enough space in the world to connect with the universe? Do you need to be alone to connect with the universe? Because wherever I go, someone else is. Even if I go you know, to an obscure park in just outside of London, someone is there. Like anywhere I go in this country, someone someone inevitably is there. Yeah, so that's the that is that's the truth of life, right? So if you're trying to find truth, then you can't go to, you can't go to where nobody is because or you're trying to find the the truth which isn't true. If you're trying to understand reality, you have to see reality as it is. And if people are always there, well, then that's the truth. That's the reality that you're trying to understand. But then maybe I've understood it by embracing the fact that someone will always be there. Maybe that's yeah. what reality is, right? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just being hyper-rational. All reality is, the definition of reality is somebody's always there. Yeah, someone's always there, right? But is that necessarily a bad thing? Wait, you still haven't told me why I'm asking why. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why, I don't know why you're asking me why, but why people ask, why, why, yeah, why we ask why is yeah. because we're trying to open up the spaces, right? No, and we're, we're trying to, to, yeah, yeah, can we do yeah, that? We're trying, yeah. To, yeah. we're trying to find, we do it for like joy, right? <laughs> we don't do it just to be annoying? Yeah, we do it to be annoying, but then we, where well, we record it and disseminate it across the internet. That's quite So annoying. we must... Yeah, that's very annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so impositional. But <laughs> but we must, on some level, think it's like something other than annoying. Well, I, well, I, I mean, I think I want to. The reason why I ask why, I think the reason why we do this podcast is just to see what other people think. Yeah. To see if our views do... annoyance to the point of enlightenment. Yes, exactly. No, but then what's more annoying than an enlightened life person? Yeah. No, but yeah, exactly. What's more annoying than an enlightened person? Right, because they oppress them with your views. Yeah, yeah, but we don't have any views. That's the problem. I don't know, I think you've got lots of Yeah, views. yeah, I'm very... You've got lots of I don't believe in any of my own views. And that, that's, that's what I love about philosophy, is that nothing can really be said with any certainty, and you can disprove everything. And so why quite, say anything? Well, because through, uh, like, through kind of linguistifying some possible reality, you open yourself to the, to the sort of immense possibility and immense like beauty and magnanimity of the universe. And through having this like connection to that, you begin to develop a sense of gratitude and openness to the universe and begin to like bind to it and, and fall, then, fall in love. Like and that And it's just like the greatest sensory experience. Okay, fine. So that's the end goal, right? Like you think the ultimate form of happiness comes from binding yourself to this universe. Yeah, it's an intimacy. It's just yeah, a yeah, really it's high well level, level of intimacy. intimacy. Right? Yeah. And I think the problem is that we <laughs> Yeah. No, so I'm, I'm with you on that, actually, but I think a lot of the reason, reason why a lot of people don't ask these questions or don't have that same attitude is because they don't think the endpoint is that level of happiness. They see that endpoint as being, you know, that crippling depression that those philosophers have had or, you know, the suicide or whatever. So yeah. why do you see that endpoint as that happiness rather than that crippling depression? Because you've experienced it? Yeah, because I've experienced yeah, it. Right. And I kind of used it in that. Well, yeah, because I've experienced it, really. But I've also experienced the other thing. Like, yeah, I do... Crippling depression. Yeah, well, I, I do feel like I have more doubt than is necessarily healthy. But I also, like, kind of revere a sense of doubt because I feel it to be intel- intellectually honest. More intellectually honest. Mm. Like, there's Why? No, huh? Why? Because there's no, there's no theory that like, we could propose to each other that we're not at least going to, like, 
consider. And I don't think there's, I don't think there's really any reality which I'm like so adamant is not true. Yeah, but that's why we're fascinated by people who are so staunch in their view of reality, right? Yeah, but that's so, like, why, how can they believe so truly in this one thing? Yeah. Like, those people fascinate us more than people like us, who we're, potentially, we're too open to everything. Yeah, but so when you're too open to things, then it's really hard to have a grounding, and then it's to move forward and build on something. Yeah, but then it's really hard for me to be humble when I have no grounding. But it's very easy to be arrogant when you have a grounding. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think humility, like, no grounding is great. But humility, humility, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then... I think we're fairly, like... We can... We we can be arrogant as people, but we can be quite intellectually humble, I think. Maybe. I think we are definitely intellectually humble. Look, we're willing to wake up every day with no no beliefs, right? By that, I mean that we're open to any new belief that we may come across in that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It may not, like... Change my whole like marketing exactly, but I'd be pretty much open to anything somebody says. Yeah, but even if it sounds like horribly like xenophobic or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, but my issue with this is that you know we're criticizing hyper rationalists, but we're still hyper rational in some ways that we go about things. Yeah, we are, but that's the only reason we can criticize something is because we have like experience of it, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing like a hyper-rationality purely from like a sort of, um, spectator oh, yeah, point of view. True. I'm talking from like a, like a, yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah, but okay, fine. If there's criticism of hyper-rationalists though, there must be criticisms of your way of thinking as well, right? Oh yeah. But like, obviously, like people generally do see rationality as being the path towards truth and yeah. that our stupid emotional stuff is just what gets in the way. And it prevents us from accessing truth. Yeah, well, I think that's what a lot of people say. And this is where, you know, science has become the dominant force, right? Because and everything, and we consider to truth to be, if something's scientific, we consider it to be true. And but what we, is truth? Well, I think this is, yeah, this is like a <laughs> trillion dollar question. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, well, what it, like, so, I don't know what truth is or what is true, but what I believe is the path to get towards truth has to reflect our experience, like the totality of our experience of reality. Because so otherwise, it, the path towards truth is not true of the reality. So it has to take into our emotions, right? It has to take in our feelings. It has to take in everything that we experience in that moment. Yeah. And so this is why I think we should have like something which I like to call like emotive personality, where we bind the rational and the emotive. Whereas, yeah, what, but so what, many you know when so, so many people tell you to take your emotions out of every decision that you make. Yeah, but, but you're, you're saying that we should do the opposite. Yeah, and that we should include our emotions in every decision that you make. Yeah, but the the problem is like when we take our emotions out of the decisions we make, we don't take our emotions out of the decisions we make, right? And what we do is we just rearrange. <laughs> yeah, we recontextualize them, right? Yeah, we recontext. So we yeah. put. Emotions first and rationality. So the outer layer is purely rationalistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the emotions are still there, right? Yeah, they're underneath. Yeah. So I'm just saying that we fuse we, the two together, right? So normally what happens is you're, like, governed by some sort of desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah, yeah, some yeah. emotional, like, impulse. And you just filter it through the system of rationality that makes it nice and tidy and immaculate and allows you to keep furthering this desire, right? And you can get up on, you know, you can have a podcast and, like, yeah, that's very say true. Say whatever you want because it sounds rationalistic. It sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're governed by something deeper and inner. And 
That's, that's really fascinating to me in the context of, you know, the ultimate desire in terms of sex. But like, we want to have sex a lot with people that we see or people that we come across. But there's a rationality that prevents us from, you know, just doing that. What, what is the rationality? AIDS. <laughs> no, I think the rationality is like, you know, potentially humility, potentially self-consciousness. It could be a myriad of things that prevent well, us. What, what do you mean humility? How does, how does that prevent that? You don't think, so I think yeah, if we were, if the opposite of humility is ego, if I were to, if we had huge egos and that would definitely increase the amount of sex that one had. Yeah, but I it also makes you, ego makes you self-conscious as well. Do you think ego makes you self-conscious? I think ego in a lot of people's thinking erases your self-consciousness. No, 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 no. It no. makes you inflappable. No, no, what? No, no, no. The ego is the, the space in which arrogance and self-consciousness can emanate from. Yeah, but in the terms of my ego, my arrogance severely dwarfs my self-consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For you, it's definitely... Oh, but you think for the normal man? Yeah, I just... I generally well, like, like you know, the normal member of society. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, the thing that prevents me from talking to somebody that I would want to talk to is ego. Right? It's a self-consciousness or it's like a fear of being seen in a certain way or like da, da, da. that's all grounded in ego. And so then we, when I speak to somebody and want to show off and be like la 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 that's la, all grounded la, in ego. La, that's also grounded in ego. Yeah, but wait, what does it have to do with emotiveness and rationality? I don't know, you brought it up. Yeah, no, so sorry, if, I, if we were... So that, in one case, the reason why we don't go is when our emotions are behind our rationality. We don't go... To go and speak to them, right? Our emotions are behind our rationality. Yeah. And when we do go, our emotions are fused with our rationality. And when we do go, our emotions are fused with our rationality. Um, Maybe this is a bad example. When we do go, our emo- how do you mean, like? Sorry, so... So, I mean... Oh, I, no, I think we're... <laughs> <laughs> so, I forget male and female. Like, if I just see someone interesting on the street now and I want to talk to them... Yeah. You know, they're wearing an interesting piece of clothing, or I think there's someone that might like our podcast, for example, or might want to finance our podcast. Uh, okay, also if I do, do but <laughs> yeah, but if I follow a rationality, then I talk myself out of it. Yeah, but when I fuse my emotion and rationality, I end up going. Yeah, and doing okay, okay, yeah, but that's really what I meant. Like, that was a very convoluted way of expressing what. Yeah, yeah. A very simple desire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, okay. yeah, that makes sense. But the, I think generally in those sort of situations. Like, rationality will get in the way of that. So what exactly. I'm doing... But that rationality yeah. is all tied up in, a, in, an, in an emotion, right? That rationality is not purely rational. It's just saying um, that basically it's more comfortable not to. And it's your fear of being rejected or fear of, like, feeling stupid that prevents that from happening. So that's what, that's what ends up being wrapped up in a rationality. So do you think poets lack a fear of being rejected and lack a fear of being stupid, whereas philosophers, because they're potentially becoming more and more rational, have gained this fear, oh, I've always had this fear of being rejected, a fear of being stupid, and that's what maybe has led to the crippling depression? Well, philosophers read books until they become impotent. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So you think the biggest cause of impotency is reading? Yeah, of course. Huh? That's really fascinating. Wait, what? Like, that's why I always go to the optometrist when it's not working. 
Wait, am I, is that not how it's seen no, in the medical world? I've been, I've been reading less and uh, I've become less impotent. Yeah. But I thought it was just because I was having more sex, that's why I was reading less. But yeah. I'm having more sex because I'm reading less. You don't read during sex? <laughs> Man, you're, I'm really losing my brain. <laughs> um, but, so the... Um, what were you saying? 